guys more experience. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Art and Caleb. We're back in the Between, between the Stammers studios. It's February 26th, a Tuesday. We usually do this on a Wednesday, but... By the time it comes out, it will be a Wednesday, obviously. We wanted to take advantage of the NHL trade deadline being so recent. Caleb Kirby here. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Between the Stammer Studio A, the one with all the beers. This is correct. It's I like, the I like one. this studio, yeah. Yeah, it's the better one. Uh, the NHL trade deadline obviously passed. Uh, the Canucks making a few moves. Erica Branson, uh, his era in Vancouver, officially over, mercifully. The reign of terror. <laughs> Jonathan Dahlin, <laughs> his era is over in Vancouver as well. There People goes- still can't pronounce his name either, eh? People it- are still calling him Dahlin, Dahlin. Nobody knows. Nobody actually knows. I think it's Dahlin, but... Is it Dahlin? Yeah, yeah. All right. I said it wrong. Uh, there goes the neighborhood. The Canucks lose two dreadful games in Arizona and against the New York Islanders. Get a shutout, though, against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Luke Shen, Ryan Spooner making their debuts since our last podcast. Uh, where do you want to start, Kirby? Yeah, let's talk about the game last night. All right. The Canucks shutting out the Anaheim Ducks for nothing. A shutout I wish we could have seen about eight days earlier. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I was watching that game last night with a few friends, and they're like, they're back in the hunt. And I'm like... They're not in the hunt. <laughs> not yet, at least, anyways. But, I mean, if the Canucks want to make these playoffs, they got to win, like, the 15 out of the next 19 games or something like that. I mean, there, there's a lot of four-point swings in here, too, against divisional opponents, and those are the games that they really must win. But um, slim slim chance now. They've kind of dug themselves into the hole the last uh, – I mean, over the weekend and last week. We we are definitely going to get into that because I yeah. wanted to talk about, like, what our expectations yeah. are for the last so, 21 games or so, or 19 games, I guess, that are left. Yeah, sorry. I didn't even talk about the game. I just kind of <laughs> went into this nice little uh, poetic, <laughs> whatever the hell that was. Anyways, yeah, the game last night. Luke Shen played well. Okay. I've seen, I, I loved his play yesterday. It was nothing flashy. It was just get the puck out of the zone. That's that's all it was. That's not let anybody beat you blatantly. Yeah. And play, you know, physical along your own boards. That's all and I want. And in front from of the net. Yeah. I loved like after the whistle was going, he was still pushing guys, getting them the hell out of there. I love that stuff. Not only that, but last night we scored on the doorstep on a power play, no less. I like how everywhere we are right now. Uh, but back to Luke Shen for a second. Kay. He made his Canuck debut playing alongside Ashton Sautner, those two guys looked very serviceable last night. Mind yeah, you, 100%. Mind you, the Ducks are not the greatest uh, opponent. But still, when those guys were out there, it wasn't a dumpster fire, which you expected every time Erica Branson was on the ice, right? Both, yeah, I mean, both of them play a very simple game, but a very effective game. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're both like – I. both of them have good gap control – um, well, they did last night anyways uh, when the team was coming across the blue line. They they both like knew where to be, which is great. They weren't on the outside of the player, which we've seen before with a guy like Good Branson. And uh, they both read the play well, and they were both tight on the sticks, you know, not letting the Ducks get too many attempts or shots away. And that's really all you can ask for. You know, these guys aren't going to be driving offense or anything like that, but just smart play off the boards, get the puck out of the zone, or get it onto PD stick, and everybody knows how defensively responsible he is now. He's basically circling that zone, just waiting to break out. He's kind of a one-man breakout machine, and uh, yeah, I I thought they played really well last night, both of them. I'd like to see him play uh, more games down the stretch. For Luke Shen, I loved how quickly he was moving the puck. Just no hesitation. He looked like an NHL defenseman. He had the yep. poise to get it out, and that's really all I want from him. That's all I wanted from Eric Branson too. That's that's just it. You know, that's the sad part about this. Why? And I know this is just one. Yeah, game. I was just gonna <laughs> say, pump your brakes. I, we'll, we'll see how consistently he can keep it up. But uh, by the sounds of things, like him and Greener had a conversation, and Greener told him exactly what he wanted out of him. And uh, so far, he's playing well. Yeah, it's just one game, and and I saw a great quote from. Or somewhere out there, floating around the internet, from Luke Shen, just he didn't know if he was ever going to get another opportunity to play in the NHL. So you had to know he was coming out focused to be 
to be good in that first game. And going against a team that didn't give him a shot this year, I mean, that defense a little bit tough, tough to crack there in Anaheim. But I, 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 I anyway, I like that from him. Okay, who do you want to talk about next? Uh, I well, what do you want to talk about we, next? If, if in, still, involving this game, yeah. If we're still talking about the same, obviously, Bo Horvat has his mojo back. Yeah, it looked fantastic last night. Hey, I thought his line mates looked really good too. I thought Levo and Spooner both played. Spooner had two breakaways that game. I know. Oh man, I just want him to bear and he rang one off the crossbar as well. It's yeah. On a shot from on a on a shot from pretty far out. And I, I don't know what's gonna happen once we get Pearson in the lineup here. Um if he's gonna take over that spot and Spooner's gonna get bumped down the lineup. But like I would like to see Spooner at least get a little more of a chance up there because I thought that was his best game last night. Bo Horvat, like you said, does have his mojo back. The well, the goal he scored on that power play was kind of set up by by Brock a little bit, but, like, that's exactly what I want to see from Bo Horvat on the power play. And I've been, like, hitting my head up against the wall for, like, the last month and a half, being like, they need to score this goal, they need to score this goal, and finally they scored a goal like that. You're right, though. It was set up by Brock Besser nicely, but Horvat was exactly where he needed to be to score that goal. And the Canucks getting a power play goal was nice because this power play has been obnoxiously bad for yeah. quite some time now as we've kind of talked about here on this podcast <laughs> we, may, we may have mentioned it <laughs> we may have mentioned it a few times uh yeah uh, also first shutout for the vancouver canucks in over a year yeah that's crazy the first the canucks are the last team to record a shutout this year also for how good marky's been playing right yeah like marky's been out of his head good yeah so he and he I, hasn't been getting the run support he's been playing so well so i felt good for him though. yeah i did too right yeah yeah i he, mean all around it was a pretty good effort against, anaheim had a couple of like gimme chances that they didn't convert on there's a couple times in front of the net where all they had to do was just tap it and it probably would have been in yeah i think it was max jones right there yeah. on the doorstep i was like how did you not score yeah and that <laughs> ghoulie guy yeah yeah Ghoulie. but um i mean Canucks, regardless, Canucks still outplayed them, and they, they played well enough to win. And, and uh, you know, there's a bit of sloppy play through the neutral zone, but nothing nothing too much that you can complain about in that game, really. All-around solid effort. I, like, I, liked, I liked it all. One last thing from that game. Let's talk about Ryan Kessler. Because, yes, they just love to boom. He, he's, a to- he's a topic of discussion every time he comes back to Vancouver from – from the broadcast, Shorthouse and Cheech. Cheech had a quote during the broadcast. He's like, it's got to be really tough being Ryan Kessler's teammate. teammate. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be tiring. Yeah, tiring. That's what he that, said. That's yeah. what he said, tiring, yeah. After and you, a while. And maybe he's right. I Okay, so on this podcast, and I, I speak for you a little bit here, but we don't hate Ryan Kessler. Are we the only, guy, the only two guys in Canuckland? That hate Ryan Kessler. That don't that, hate Ryan that don't Kessler. Hate, that don't hate Ryan. No, Kessler. I know. I, I know other guys. Okay, because I'm. I've been. I get a lot of t- text messages from my yeah. buddies as well. They fucking hate Ryan Kessler. Everything when Ryan Kessler. Oh, I hope they f- whatever Ryan Kessler. I'm just like, whatever. I've moved on. Yeah. Like why? Why can't the rest of Canuckland move on? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, he's he's kind of easy to hate, I guess. And I mean, like I I just liked him so much when he was here. And I was mad with the way that he left, for sure. And I think that's a lot of where this stems from, is people are mad with the way that he left. And then you also heard about, like, but some, everybody that some, of the, Vancouver. some of the dirt y rumors behind it doesn't help yeah. his case. And, and even, like, the way he handled the media. Like, for a while there, Kessler was just awful, like, in a media scrum after the game. He just seemed so crusty and surly and seemed like he didn't want to be there and, sure. and that sort of stuff. So I get that, but, like, man. like So that's as, why the media hates yeah, him. Yeah, but, like, yeah. as a player, yeah. I mean, he's got miles on him now, and there's a couple guys on that Ducks team that have miles on him now, but yeah. some of those guys, like, in their heyday were, like, you know, top 10 NHLers. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's, Ryan Kessler, not so much as, as like, Getzhoff and Perry because they had longer heydays, I guess. But, man, like, Kess in 09, 2010, 2010, 2011, like, that guy, there was, he scored so many big goals for this team. And it was, like, it was momentum-changing goals, like, tying game-tying goals, game-winning goals, like, clutch-ass moments. And I will always respect that about him. And 
as we've talked about lately, the net front presence, like there was a while when in, in this league, he was top three best net front presences, tipping the puck, getting in the goalies, uh, way kind of ticking the goalie off every which way he could you know hacking d-men in the back of the legs when they weren't looking when the ref wasn't looking just really getting under guys skin and giving the skeins an opportunity to do their thing exactly and when you when you do that you you draw more attention to you and you open up space for those teammates like daniel and henrik with you know like they don't need much space but he was getting them more than enough space and they were flourishing and even with a guy like sammy salo back then who could hammer it he was in there in front of that shot trying to tip it. And I, I respect that kind of hockey. I like that dirty, not dirty hockey, but like gritty kind of hockey. I just thought we should mention it because yeah. he had the huge boos every time. He didn't even touch the puck that often. But, night, I mean, but if you were there live, would you have booed him? I think I would have joined in. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think I think that's just like uh, gamesmanship from fans yeah. too. Yeah. Hopping on it and trying to get under a player's skin. And but, man, when he – when Roussel took that penalty against him in that game for that cross check, mm-hmm. I was just like, man, that's classic Kessler. Like <laughs> I, I remember that when he was doing that to the other team and yep. a little part of me kind of warmed up and I missed that, you know, <laughs> it's funny because Roussel, he usually does that the other yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you on that one. And that's when the, the text messages started rolling in when that play happened. I'm yeah. just like, I don't know. I've let bygones be bygones on that. It seems like every good player that's ever played in Vancouver and has had to leave to go somewhere else, it it hasn't been a great split. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and at some point we forgive. But we're kind of like the vindictive girlfriend a lot of the ways too. When somebody (laughs) somebody leaves this town, we can get a a little bit up in a huff, right? Would have been different if the Canucks had won the cup that year. Yeah. It probably would. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about... The trade deadline with Erica Branson taken off. Can I? Can this I? It. Just one quick side note in that game. Yeah. Goldobin's goal, mm-hmm. fantastic. Hey. Mm-hmm. On that uh, when they were all coming down there, I like sniped. how Besser was in sniped. the middle and yep. then he just sniped it. It was a great off, pass by Petey the, out yeah. wide. Yeah. 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 I mean, like Petey was on the other side. Besser was in the middle. Besser kind of drew the attention of both defenders as he was coming in the middle. And Petey's just so smart that he he makes the pass look like it's going to Besser. And then Bester doesn't bite on it. Goldobin gets the puck and just rips it like off the post and in. Now, I thought that was a now Goldobin, goal. you like him on that top line there with Petey and Besser. I, the reason why I wanted to talk about this real quick is because it's like the difference in that goal was like so close. Like the margin of that of air for that goal to go in was so close. And he was kind of due to pop one like that. But like the guy shoots top corner every time. And if you're coming in on the rush and you're in there with two other guys and you miss and that puck wraps around the boards and goes the other way, the other team has a three on two the other way. Right. Correct. Um, Like I said, I think he was due on that goal and like he has been playing very good as of late. But I mean, when you have numbers like that, too, you want to make sure that your shot isn't going to cost you the other way. Mm Right, I did, I just thought it was in, an interesting thing to see because like everybody after it happens, just like oh yeah, he's you know Gold Goldie should play with these guys and he's playing really well with them and I I agree he played really well last night like leave him on that line for the next game for sure. Every, but everybody wants Goldobin to be yeah what he is. That's the, what they want well, there in that game. That's what everybody wants. The margin of error there though is is so thin and he has to start thinking the game like that a little bit more because he does have that talent and he is very creative when he has the puck he makes some nice passes but sometimes that that can also come back and bite you and I think that is something that this coaching staff has tried to be tried to work with him on and he hasn't necessarily been as receptive as they'd like him to be and maybe that's part of the reason of, of why he's been sitting do you believe that he gets less leeway than a guy like Brock Besser yeah but I think that's I think that's because of his track record, right? Besser produces more and Goldie doesn't. And Goldie's already been traded once, right? And that's a red flag, I think, for a lot of coaches and stuff. When you're taking on a guy who's trying to crack the NHL, you know, was very good when he originally came in, kind of petered, faltered a little bit in the A, and then they come back up. You want to... Like, when you take a new player like that on, you want to drill all those bad habits that they may have accrued in that other system out of their game. 
And like full full marks to Goldie uh, for sure because you know he has developed and he has been patient and he hasn't complained and he's he looks like he's taking the right steps to becoming a pro and like a, a top line pro. So I'm I'm very excited for him and I hope it continues uh, down this stretch here. And I think all of his teammates are really pushing for him too because mm-hmm. he seems to be a likable guy in the locker room and. I think, like, I mean, his attitude too, right? Like, what a difference in attitude makes. We, I, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here, but, I mean, like with Dolan, right? He wanted to get out, and a lot of people are crediting that to, to the opposite way, acting a little bit entitled of where he was, not getting his shot. And that's a good segue now to uh, where I want to go next with Erica Branson no longer being a Vancouver Canuck. He was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Tanner Pearson. What do you think of the trade? Yeah, I think that trade, well, I think it's a good trade for the Canucks right away because we got rid of a pretty massive defensive liability. I don't know how many times this year I saw goals get scored on us on the ice and then Good Branson standing there with his head up in the air. I was getting sick of it. I also don't think Good Branson reads the game as well as a lot of people give him credit for. I think he's a little slow to see what's going to happen and then he starts moving after the fact i saw a stat out there that i okay i'm uh preface this with i don't know if it's 100 percent true but (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna give it anyway the rumor mill he uh since coming to vancouver uh his he was 66 goals for 114 goals against while on the ice when he was on the ice which is Hmm. the worst in the NHL during that period. Yeah. Would you believe that? I could believe that. It, it feels like that. Like, it honestly feels like like his tenure here was a bit of a dumpster fire in a lot of respects. Um, but that being said, like, I did like it when he stuck up for his teammates. When he did stick up for his teammates, I was also concerned he was going to get hurt again, though, because, I mean, we saw that happen to him a few times. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's good to get him out of here. Well, I just got a million text messages when he got traded. Like, this was like the Canucks had won the fucking Stanley Cup or something. <laughs> that's, why I, that's, that's why I had to bring this up. People hated this guy for whatever reason. It's, uh, he was signed to a contract extension without really doing anything good. Yeah, let's go back here for a second. Though. Yeah. I don't think people hated the player as a person. They just hated what they saw on the ice from him. Yeah. Right. Good Branson was that kind of guy like, and I, I'm on in this camp that I wanted to cheer for that. I wanted to see play well. Like I really did. There's a lot of things that like I was licking my lips about when we first picked him up. I'm like, man, like if he can keep up with the game, his big body, um, his leadership, the things he's saying in his interviews, like, I like this guy. Like, I like, um, you know, his, the way he talks the game. But, I mean, we saw pretty quickly that he, he couldn't back it up. And and the extension that he got, which a lot of people were upset about, um, it, and, and it wasn't really merited, but it was like, let's see what he can do now that he's healthy. And we saw what he could do now that he was healthy, and it wasn't really much, was it? And they also knew he had some sort of back injury when they gave him that extension. Yeah. So is this like is this kind of Jim Benning going? I was wrong. I had to get. I had to do something to stop this. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he kind of addressed it, uh, and I thought he he did a good job addressing it. Uh, we do have Jim Benning here uh, commenting on uh, uh, Erica Branson's time in uh, Vancouver. Well, I think there's a couple reasons. One, you know, he had some injuries that kind of set him back, um, and you know, maybe the style of game we played wasn't a fit to you know, his, his game, um, you know, but he, you know, I got to give him credit. He stuck up for our guys. He fought for our team. Um, you know, he was a good penalty killer for us. Um, but like, I don't know if it was injuries, but for whatever reason, he just really didn't get adjusted. Yeah. He didn't adjust yet. You still gave him an extension with a raise. <laughs> it would be nice to just hear him just say I was wrong on this one, hey? Like yeah. it would it would be a little nice to hear him hear him say that. Um I mean, good Branson, like some of those passes out of his zone were just in defeat constantly. Some of those passes were just flat out icings that were just like not even close to hitting a guy's stick. And then um, he's lost in his own end too. Yeah, and then he gets lost in, or like when people are coming down on the wing, he goes 
towards the boards instead of the net for some reason. Oh. Like, there, yeah, there's just been times where I've thrown up my hands with Eric and Good Branson and been like, "Geez, Louise," and it's frustrating because of like what he looks like out there. Pouliot's another guy who's frustrating too because you see. Um, strengths in his game, but like there's some just glaring, glaring inefficiencies in both of these players that um, are really hard to swallow just as a Canucks fan, especially when it's costing you like a goal or two a night. Yeah, every night. Uh, Erica Branson is still owed $8 million after this season for two years, so he's now a Pittsburgh Penguins. He's off the books. He's off the books. It's over. We can never talk about Erica Branson ever again. And, and Pearson... Um, is getting was getting paid less, so I mean Canucks ended up dumping about two hundred and fifty thousand, which is I mean it's kind of chump change in NHL contract ways, but it is less money. And I think Pearson is a guy who isn't necessarily like I mean he played on that seventies line in LA, and I think anybody who's hoping for him to put up the numbers that he was doing with that line, I think that's a little unrealistic, but. He's one of those guys who can move up and down your lineup pretty easily. He he could play top six, and he can play bottom six, and he can penalty kill, and he could be of some use in front of the net on the power play. So I like I like him uh, for all the different tools he has to his game. He's a little slow. That's that's all um, I can say Like as far as the deficiency. If you're concerned. wondering what that 70s line is, that is because he wore the number 70, I guess, and his line mates also wore numbers in the 70s. Yeah, it was right? C- Carter and... Uh, Carter Toffoli. Toffoli. That's right. Yeah, yeah, so it was like, yeah, what, 77 to 74? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And Tanner Pearson has not had a banner year. Like, he has three goals. Or wait, is that right? Nine goals, sorry. Nine goals in 61 games, 15 points this season. Um, last season... Sounds like he's having a Louis Erickson type year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about Louis Erickson. Uh, 12, 12 goals uh, in 2014, 2015, 2015, 2016. He had 15 goals, 24. So his best season was 2016, 2017, where he scored 24 goals, had 44 points in 80 games. That was when he was a part of that, that 70s line, and he was really rocking and rolling, I think. Uh, he had he looked good in the playoffs as well. Yeah, he's a little slow. They say that they think he's going to be a top two, uh, or sorry, a top two, a top top six winger. Is that? I I think he can play either or. Yeah, I think you could put him down and uh, maybe move a guy like Granlund out of the lineup or like I don't I really don't understand. Like last night, actually, that was a thing that occurred to me. I still don't understand why Louis in this lineup on some nights. I know he's a six million dollar guy, but like he didn't even touch the puck last night. I would like to see a little bit of a change or a shake up down in the in, in I the actually bottom thought, six. I actually thought last night was one of his better games. Uh, he didn't touch the puck. <laughs> Maybe that's why it was a better game. Yeah. He honestly did not touch the puck. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we do also have um, Jim Benning talking about uh, Tanner Pearson. Um, we think that he's going to be a good fit with either playing with Petey or Bo, and you know he's just another guy that can score for us. So uh, when that came, you know, across my my desk, you know, and we talked to Jim Rutherford about it, um, we talked to our guys, and we just figured that you know we're getting a good hockey player here back. Yeah, and I mean, like, the thing about Pearson is he has that experience, too. Like, he's won a Stanley Cup with the Kings, which is nice to have. Anytime you get a guy like that coming in your team that knows what to do to win and has a bit of grit to his game, like, we've seen that when he he was a King, is a nice addition. He's been traded a few times now, though. That's a red flag, is it not? Yeah, it, it, well, it partially is, right? It's, and sometimes, like, as players get older, it's about fit. You know, he wasn't going to fit in Pittsburgh. Obviously, yeah. he didn't fit in, yeah. and so, he was traded so for we'll Carl Eglund. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, that's what the trade was. And Which is so funny, hey? It's like a guy who has a little bit of a deficiency in speed goes for like a guy who's known for really being fast out there. But Haglin's another guy who who just isn't producing to the level that people have expected him to since he was traded from the Rangers. Yeah. Let's talk about the other Canucks trade, which got a lot of talk about what's going on down in Utica. Utica, Utica. That's from, that's from the office. Uh, the Canucks traded what was one of their top prospects in Jonathan 
Dolan. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, to the San Jose Sharks for Linus Carlson, a guy that I'd never heard of before trade deadline day. Hey, Art, why don't you pass me that Heineken of yours? We'll oh, crack it open for by you. By the way, uh, Between the Stammers is brought to you by Heineken today. Great foreign lager. Yeah, great Dutch beer. Dutch beer. That's where I was going with it. James Bond drinks it. Yeah. Yeah. Goes down smooth. What do you know about Linus Carlson? I know nothing about him. But, okay, let's not talk about Linus Carlson. Let's talk about well, let me talk where about... it went wrong. What, with, well, with Dolan? Dolan? Yeah, because we're, we're, we're hearing he said, she said from, from both sides. It just seemed like a rocky relationship from the start. Did, did we have he said, she said? I mean, he's, he's two years older than Linus Carlson, right? He's older than Petey. He was playing in the second tier of the Swedish Elite League. Um, you know, which is still like pretty, pretty good hockey, but I mean, Ottawa moved him for an obvious reason. He's playing in Utica and apparently he wanted more minutes, but like you can see that he's not that defensively responsible. He may score some goals, but I think he's like a minus 13 on the team. And that's like one of the worst plus minuses on the team. So, I mean, I know reports have come out this year that um, Vancouver kind of was souring on him a little bit. I don't know why that is, but a lot of people are blaming Utica's coaching staff, and I don't necessarily think that that's too fair with some of the work that we've seen them do in the past. And I know it was green down there before with a guy like Berchi and with Jake, but even this year, like the the call-up of Zach McEwen, I think he's a shining example of you know, a guy who's listened and f- trusted the process and been rewarded. Guillaume Breezeball, we saw him. Saltner's another guy. I mean, he broke his orbital bone this year, so it probably took him a little longer to, to crack this lineup than a lot of people would have predicted um, before he got hurt. You know, Ole Ulevi. So I, a big part of that is attitude and entitlement. And maybe Dolan wasn't listening to some of the things that the coaches were saying because he thought he was more skilled of a player than he actually was. And maybe he wanted more minutes or wanted to be sent up to the NHL, uh, kind of fast track to the NHL because he thought he was too good to play in the A. And and, and it kind of sounds like to me from what we've heard about, like what what his agent is saying, like he wanted to leave Utica because he's not, he's not seeing any advancement. That's was, a red flag to me. Wasn't there some conversation about how he never wanted to leave Sweden in the first place, though? To go to Utica? Yeah, but what what's the point of him being in Sweden? What like How are the Canucks going to control how they want to develop him as a player in their system and teach them the systems that the teams play under if he's playing in Sweden? What's the point of that? Yeah, why did he want to stay in Sweden? That was my question. Did he think he wasn't good enough to play in the AHL? Is that what that was? Or he just no. wanted to stay home? No, he wanted the call-up. He, wanted the, he didn't want to go to the AHL. He wanted to go to the, to go to the NHL. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, like, uh, all those things, right? You, yeah. You're already moved off the team that drafted you. You're going to another team. You're playing in their farm system. Maybe you're – I don't know if this is 100% true or not, like if he's if he's not doing what he's told, but he's one of the worst and plus minus on that team, right? Minus and, 13. And then he, he requests a, a trade within a season. I don't put that on call in that group down there because we've seen what they can do with young players. I, I put that on Dolan and his, and his refusal to buy in. So did he, did his agent, J.P. Barry uh, – he 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 confirmed that that he that they had wanted it was unilateral. Yeah, he wanted out that they wanted out that he yeah. wanted out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we do have uh, Jim Benning talking about Dolan. Benning bombshelled this, by the way, and full credit to uh, Jason Botchford for asking this question, which Benning answered here. Because I don't think if if I don't think if Bot- Botchford asked this question of kind of what happened and how it soured, I don't think Benning would have said this. So. Oh. Nice work. All right, so here's Jim Benning answering uh, Jason Botrick from The Athletics' question about Dolan. I think this is a lateral move. Um, his agent asked me a couple of weeks ago if, if we could uh, move him and we could trade him. And I said, well, if, you know, if we can do a lateral move where we feel good about getting a, a, a player back that we like, we'll look to do that. Otherwise, we weren't going to do it. And... And our guys felt really good about Carlson, so we made that move. 
Are you concerned of what's going on down in Utica, though? Are no, you? no, I'm not at all. And and actually, I kind of think that like one thing that I've I've been monitoring today is you know kind of Canucks Twitter's reactions to this, right? And it's kind of fifty fifty. But I kind of feel like it's fifty fifty with the tankists who are saying it's the Canucks' fault and Benning's fault and fire Benning and all that sort of stuff. And then the other side that is a little more like, no, it's okay, it's fine. And I'm definitely like, if you're gonna put me on one side. I, I do think this organization is trending in the right direction. I'm not saying that there hasn't been mistakes. There clearly has. But I go back to when a guy like Nikita Tramkin came here, right? And he, he played a couple games with the Canucks, and they were saying that his conditioning wasn't good enough. Then they sent him down to the AHL, and he, like, flat out refused to go. So he was sitting out games, and he kind of pulled this move before. And I kind of feel like the Canucks aren't, patient with this anymore because of what happened already they look at a guy like Tramkin and they're like okay well you know you're you, we've dealt with this before we're not going to do it with you either you can go you can leave um but in this case we're actually going to trade you for a piece and get something back for a player that we can develop dude they got a guy who's two years younger they got a guy who's playing in the Swedish elite league div one in the Swedish elite league and putting up points this year that are somewhat reminiscent of a guy like Jakob Silverberg when he was his age, you know? Like, I'm not saying Linus Carlson's going to be a player, but he has the potential to be a player. And I think that's okay, you know? I, I You know, you can give up on a guy like Dolan at this point. I was never that high on Dolan, to be honest. Yeah, I wasn't I, either. I, never I think was. a lot of people are more sensitive about it because of um, him playing it. with Petey. Oh, PD. Okay. Yeah. Right? Because he played with PD for a little while before PD made the jump um, to the top tier of the Swedish Elite League. And they were on a line together. And Dolan benefited a lot from PD's insane hockey skills. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it raises eyebrows among Canucks fans because this guy was, I would say, would you say top five Canuck prospect here over the last couple of years? Well, he was talked up like that for sure. And mm-hmm. I'm, I I mean, another thing too is is you hear about Petrus Palmu going back to Finland at the beginning of the season with um, when he was down in Utica. He, he requested to go back to Finland. So that happened. But yeah, I don't think they're going to put up with this type of attitude from guys who are unproven in the NHL anymore. And I think Tramkin was a lesson in that, you know. People, a lot of people still want Tramkin back on this team. And I think he's got a lot of skills, big body, defensive guy. But, like, do you want a guy who puts themselves ahead of what this team is doing? I don't necessarily know if I want that guy. Okay, just to talk about the, the other side on that, to play devil's advocate. The Canucks are a developing team, and they need all their prospects to be happy and good to go and to – you know, be want to be a part of this franchise. Yeah. Well, that's not devil's advocate. I agree with that. Okay. So if there's a guy who is... I'm just saying you can't waste prospects. I'm And and I agree. You can't waste prospects. And I don't think they did with, with Dolan. They haven't wasted him. They traded him for a guy who's two years younger and playing um, hockey to try and develop into a, a better player. He's got time to still develop into something. He hasn't been necessarily... Um, he hasn't been dealt twice, right? I, I think the Canucks win this trade. I really do. Okay. And and, it, and both of these trade, this trade as a whole is based on potential, right? That's all it is, is, is potentials of, of what somebody sees. I think if Dolan, he's going to the Sharks, right? Dolan's going to the Sharks this season. And Sharks, we all know, are going to make the playoffs. Who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs? Dolan might get a call up based on just um, men down. You know, they need somebody to shore up their lineup or something like that. He might get a call and get a taste this season. It was Who funny, knows? It was funny that the Sharks media people were talking up Dolan like a guy who was really competitive. <laughs> it was almost like a shot at the Canucks. Well, I, I just, I don't know, man. I like, there's obviously some nasty habits that they tried to break with him down there that they weren't able to do. And Would you say it hasn't been a banner year for Utica? Well, I mean, the they're still in the hunt. Yeah. They're still in the hunt, and, and there's been improvements on that team. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen them. We've seen Zach McEwen. We've seen Sautner. We've seen Breezeball. The Yule Levy news hurts for sure. A lot of people are upset with the fact that uh, Utica decides to dress an older lineup. They dress the Caros. Yeah. They dress 
uh, the McEnany's over some of the the younger guys. Well, they're trying to win. Yeah, and they're trying to win. And also, you need to show these guys that like you need to be hungry in the AHL. It's professional hockey every single there. day. You need to yeah. train. You need to. You can't eat like shit. You can't uh, skip gym days. You can't do any of that sort of stuff. This is what it's like to be a pro. And if you continue to stick to this system, this will help you when you finally do make that jump to the NHL. It's the mindset. The NHL mindset is in the AHL, right? It's not junior anymore. And a lot of people that are in junior, they're playing on their team. They think they're hot shit. You know, they're, they're scoring goals like nobody's business. Jake Vertan, a classic example, like I think top three in goals in the WHL, his his year when he gets drafted, he had to get go to the school of hard knocks in the eight in the AHL and figure out what it's like to be a pro. And it was better for him. It's just that players need to commit to it and they need to be humbled. And the AHL is a league that will humble you because you're playing men. You're not playing boys anymore. Before we get into the Vancouver Canucks and where they are for this last 19 games, I want to ask you, what do you give Jim Benning? You If you want to give him a grade for this trade deadline? Well, are you are you happy with are we seem to be happy with the moves that he did? Are you happy are you are you upset that he didn't do more? I'm kind of I'm kind of a, a little ticked off that nothing happened with Sutter. Sutter kind of flies under the radar here, right? So I'll give him a B, I guess. I don't know what the situation is with Sutter, like um as far as like interest or whatever and his injuries, but it just seems like nobody talked about him at all. And he just kind of like flew underneath everything. And he's still on this team. You think he was able to be traded? You you think they should have been able to trade him? I, I'm not saying that um, he was able to be traded, but it kind of bugs me that he wasn't even mentioned, you know? And, and maybe that's partly on the media that was talking to him as well, just to get an idea of what that temperature was like, if he got any offers or, or whatever. But it just seemed like nobody even mentioned his name all I, day. I took great deadline day off, and I was watching it, and I don't think he was even on the board, any no, of the boards. No, he wasn't mentioned. Yeah, he wasn't mentioned once. Right? Yeah. That, that bugs me it does yeah um but like yeah i mean yeah you offloaded good branson i don't Alex, think you're getting i don't think you're getting offers on pouliot and we all know that edler was gonna stay here yeah, yeah. I, I think we did all know that edler was gonna stay he was he wasn't willing to waive his no trade clause it looks like they're in negotiations for another uh, extension for him which we all want so we're, but we'll stick with the trade deadline here uh, what would you have liked to seen them do with Sutter? What would you like to have gotten in return for him? That's a good question, man. I, I don't know what we possibly could have gotten for him. And, and maybe that has to do with this contract and his current injury situation. And I mean, like, this isn't a thing that is uncommon with Sutter. I just would have liked to have seen talks about like what we keep we could have potentially done with him i don't know if he was shopped like uh, nobody's even asked benning like if he was even remotely shopped and 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 i guess me not knowing is the thing that's bugging me more so than anything else because there are things that sutter could have helped you know some of these teams that are gearing up for the playoffs with so and yeah i mean that's that's kind of it to me uh you had a great uh tweet going into the trade deadline about Jim Benning and the position that he was in with all of the injuries that the Canucks had Yeah, at Curbman23 four days ago. Benning at the deadline is basically what kid is that kid you knew in, in elementary school who tried to trade you his bruised bananas for a snack pack? Yeah. I, I, I stand by that comment. So one of those bruised bananas was Brandon Sutter. Yeah, Brandon Sutter was a bruised banana. Tanev was a bruised banana. Edler was a bruised banana. Like, all those guys on the IR, you don't know when they're coming back. You don't know if they're going to help you. You don't know if they're going to re-aggravate it. And, and Canucks fans, we always overvalue what we have. <laughs> always. We just always do. Uh, we One of the biggest things I've seen from Canucks Twitter and Canucks fans out there is the Canucks' inability to acquire more draft picks. Is it, have you seen that trend here? You've seen you know, Canucks making moves for prospect for prospect, yada, 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 not getting draft picks. 
Yeah, but I think a big part of that is where the team is at right now. What do you want to go for? Do you want to go for an unknown? Or do you actually need to supplant the roster that you have at this moment with a player that So is that the tank you need? Is that the tankus versus the let's we're going for it right now? Yeah, I think so. I think so a little bit for sure. I mean, PD accelerated this rebuild in some ways this season for sure. Um, And I mean, I felt like that Islanders game over the weekend was kind of the nail in the coffin for for playoff hopes. But I agree. We still have 19 games to go. We have made some moves to acquire these guys. It seems like the Canucks still want to kick the can at trying to make this thing. And and I kind of feel like they're playing with house money a little bit this season because of the turnaround that they've had with the addition of Pedersen. And even the fact is, is like, I remember at the beginning of the season, Green is like, we want to play meaningful games in February and March. These games are meaningful. They're not necessarily out of it yet. And if they continue to play this way and win games, and even if they miss the playoffs but play these meaningful games, it's good for everybody in that dressing room to just say, this is what it takes. Uh, going back to trade deadline, just because you gave him a B, I gave him a C plus. Yeah. I would, I would have liked to see, yeah, I would like to see Sutter move for even like a late round pick or just to get that off the books so we can get Adam Gaudet going more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we've moved on here to. I was like, I was floating between B and C plus too. Yeah. It was like a low B. Yeah. 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 Like a B minus maybe. Uh, so let's go into uh, where the Canucks land now. Uh, they have 19 games remaining, 11 at home. Yep. Uh, Tons of divisional opponents. They're four points out of a playoff spot as of now. Minnesota holding that last wild card spot. Minnesota trading Grandland yeah. on deadline day. They've, and then also trading Coil like a few days before. They've like, thrown in the towel. It feels like, and and I heard people are talking about offers from Boston for Eric Stahl, but he, Stahl was just like, no, I like Minnesota. I'm going to wow. chill chill here. They traded Matt Hendricks as well, yeah. also on their team. So it seems like the Wild are throwing in the towel. Colorado's coming hard mm-hmm. right now. Uh, we Col- seem to have their number though, hey? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Canucks are right in there with Edmonton and Chicago and Arizona. I just don't see Edmonton, Chicago, Arizona as playoff. But, dude, look either. at where Vegas is, too, now. Vegas has had a tough string of games. Yeah. The Canucks aren't too far behind Vegas. Well, 69 points. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I'm not necessarily saying that. Uh, that's, that's a little far behind. Yeah, but I'm not. That's seven points. No, but listen, I'm not saying that the, the Canucks are going to necessarily catch a team like Vegas, but one of these other teams Could. in our division could leapfrog them. Okay. So you're saying that maybe two out of this stretch of teams, Minnesota, Colorado, Arizona, Chicago, Canucks, could maybe presumably move up, pop Vegas out, and pop Minnesota out. Yeah, we'll you see. You can see that? I we'll see. I, I don't know. I yeah. like It's, it's going to be an interesting race. We still have 19 games. Like it, It's still almost a, a quarter of a season. Just not being able to score a goal against Anaheim a week ago and then... The Islanders thumping hurt. Oh, the Islanders thumping was... Yeah. It was brutal, man. Um, I, I yeah, I, I sent Kirby a text message, there goes the neighborhood after that one, because I just, I felt it was over. I, I did too. The Arizona loss was tough to swallow as hey, well. I mean... But let's, they win these... To tomorrow, to yeah. t- tomorrow and Thursday, they win both of these games. Are you back on the wagon? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm going to be too, right? You yeah. string three wins together, and and then you just kind of feel the positive vibes, and you want to see where they go next. That's going to be a tough game in Colorado, and then of course you got to give some payback to Arizona after losing to them yeah. in overtime. Oh, that game pissed me off so much. It just, I mean, it pissed you off more than it pissed me off, it seemed. Yeah, I had a bit of an it. issue that night, I think. <laughs> be in my bonnet. Yeah, so, wait, wait, okay, we're still in the playoff hunt. Is that what we just went? Is that what? Is that where we just went? Even though on Saturday I feel like I said that's kind of it, you look at the standings and you go, okay, we're still in it, but they need to go on an epic rip. They got to win to make this. Yeah, because I, uh, I. They can't be playing 500 hockey. They got to be. They got to win like the next like 15. I mean, they got to win like 15 or 14 out of 19 to do it. The thing is, is like the four point swings with these divisional opponents 
are huge. Taking the points away from these other teams are huge. If they lose to Colorado, they're done. That's what you think? Yeah. Okay. They got to win. They have to win Thursday right. night right. against Colorado in Colorado. It's going to be tough, but they have to win that game. Okay. If they lose that game, I will go on record to say it's over. Okay. <laughs> you went on record to say it was over on Saturday, <laughs> but <can't>. okay. <laughs> and so did I. <laughs> yeah, well, well. Uh, that's where we're at. Uh, let's go over some of the other trades. Like, it wasn't like a really busy deadline, but some pretty big names moved. Man, I sent you all those clips. You're not playing half of them. Uh, we've played just about all of them. I gave you four of them. We've played You're killing me. Uh, we played uh, Gabranson. Yeah. We played the the Dolan. Oh, yeah, we did. And we played Tanner. Oh, yeah. The only we didn't play was uh, Travis Green on... Uh, I thought that one was good. Okay. You didn't like it? I haven't heard it. Honestly, I haven't. <laughs> I didn't even listen to it. You know, I set you up for it too earlier in the earlier in the podcast, and I was just wondering, I'm like, he's not firing it for yeah. some reason. Don't worry about it. We're past it. It's all good. It's it's fine. No, uh, Caleb Kirby went to so much work to get this <laughs> Travis Green comment about. Let me tee it up. Yeah. Okay. So Goldobin has been playing well. We already talked about that. But um, another big thing was that Travis Green had a little bit of fun with the media talking about how Goldie's game has rounded out. And I, I really thought it was kind of cute and funny. All right. Here's Travis Green talking about Nikolai Godolvin. Uh Goldie and I chatted a little bit today. I showed him a clip from last game and just talked about, uh, you know, he seems to always want to shoot to that that top side a lot. And uh, yeah, it was nice to see him get one. Maybe he'll listen to other video clips I show him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I see how you set that up. That was you assuming that I had done my homework before yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I was hoping you would have done your homework before you started. Two days off of work and you just turn into a bag of crap, eh? <laughs> Brought to you by Heineken. Yeah, uh, yeah, I missed that. That was that is a good quote. And Travis Green, obviously, because he knows in the media the biggest talk about Goldobin is the conversation that those two have been having right yeah. this entire season. So that's what makes that quote really good. Okay, so now we're talking about trades for other teams. Yeah, let's do it. The Western Conference, the the heavyweights in the Western Conference were really busy on trade deadline day. Yeah. Uh, let's go over them. Here we go. Good. I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. You're good. We're both good. We're in between the Stammer Studio number deuce. Have you started recording yet? Yeah, I started recording. I mean, I can delete any of this if we want oh, okay. to. We're in between the Stammer Studio, Numero Deuce. Yeah, back to the uh, studio without beers. The studio's not as good. <laughs> if you missed it, there was a little thunk earlier, and uh, that was the sound of Art spilling beer all over the mixing board in between the Stammer Studio A. Me so. and my infinite wisdom. <laughs> so we had to make a trip to uh, Studio B, and here we are. Thankfully, we have a Studio B. Right? <laughs> but, oh, just, it was so dumb. And uh, here I am, like, talking up the Heineken beer this whole way and how great Studio A is. Yeah, we kind of jinxed it, didn't we? I, yeah. Fuck. What were we talking about? We were talking about the playoffs and how the teams look. Right. We were also talking about the trade deadline and some of the trades that were made at the deadline. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, but... I, I want to talk about this, right? Because you and I last week, we said who our favorites were to win the Stanley Cup um, and what the Stanley Cup final would look like. Mm -hmm. After these trades, has your opinion changed? Uh, I'm sticking with what I said. Yeah? And what did you say? I said Tampa Bay, San Jose. Okay, and you're going to stick with that, eh? I'm a little worried about the West now. A little more worried about the West. I still think Tampa's like, by and far the best team in okay. the East. Even with Boston doing what they did. All right, let's get into the trade deadline. I love, I love your stubbornness. <laughs> I'm very stubborn. You know that. Yeah. Everybody knows that about um, me. I will also stick with mine, and I said Boston and Winnipeg. That's right. And I still think it's going to be Boston and Winnipeg. And I actually like what uh, both teams did. I feel like your case, yeah, may have gotten stronger yeah. after the deadline. Let's go over some of those deadline moves. Uh, the biggest one, I think, has to be Vegas. Acquiring Mark Stone from the Ottawa Senators for Eric Brandstrom. 
Oscar Lindbergh and a second-round pick. Mark Stone, fucking fantastic player. Oh, he's one of the best. What'd you think? Like He's got a sticky stick. Dude, Like I still, I'm still blown away by the fact that Ottawa was so stacked just a few seasons ago. They were like a couple wins away from going to the Stanley Cup, and now everything is just completely crushed. Well, they showed a list of the players that they've traded within the last year. Yeah, it's like the fall of communism in Russia. Like, it was just like a superpower, (laughs) and then it's completely imploded on itself, right? Like, so it's like when the Iron Curtain fell. I can't believe it. Like, I really can't. And are we blaming this all on ownership there? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 there's no way you can't. They didn't want to pay Mark Stone. They didn't want to pay Eric Carlson. Mark Stone. They didn't want to pay Duchesne. They didn't want to pay Duchesne. They, Mark Stone got a contract immediately after. Colorado gets a first-round pick out of this whole debacle of what Ottawa's done here. Like a, a top three pick, basically, because of what's happened. With Duchesne? So Ottawa doesn't even reap the benefits. Yeah. Oh, man, that's like brutal. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. That's brutal. But anyways, back to what you said. That splash, Vegas, they've been kind of middling as of late. Do you think that this just cements them in the playoffs in in the top three to finish yeah, top three I, in the Pacific? I, yeah, yeah. And okay. we, we talked earlier about in this podcast, maybe there'd be a chance that one of those teams could push Vegas out. I don't think so. I think you don't Ve- think so? Yeah, I think Vegas, yes, they haven't been as good. But I think with the addition of Stone, that's going to give the infusion that they need going forward here. And Mark Andre Fleury is about to play the best hockey. I uh, I don't know. I'm just still not sold. Really? I know. I know that. Um, I know that Stone is going to make a massive, massive difference. Um, but I don't know if the rest of that team around him is going to be able to pick up their game. He's got 67 points in 62 games right now. I think. Yeah, I, I got him in my hockey pool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's good. I where does I mean we could go on forever about where Ottawa goes from this. Um one of the things that Stone does just insanely well is just puck recovery. Like he's so he's like a dog on a bone. Like he gets checked, he'll turn around, he'll just come back, steal the puck, turn around, take the play over again. Like that's just an element to his game that a lot of guys just don't have. Yeah. He's gets a 9-year deal with the or maybe 8-year. Was it 8-year deal? Eight years, nine million, I think is what, yeah, what it was. Big money. They might regret that though. That's a long time to have a player sign for. He's only twenty six years old though. I understand that, but do the math. He's gonna be thirty four. You said it's uh eight year deal. Eight years, yeah. Uh, eight year yeah. deal. Yeah. Eight okay, year yeah, that's not that's not yeah, terrible, that's not right? Terrible. Yeah, nine point six. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But like you said, he's pretty good. Vegas can afford it too. Yeah. They got money. They do. Uh do you think they got enough for him? Eric Branson, Oscar Lindbergh, second round pick. Um, no, I don't. Do you know anything about Eric Branstrom? Because I, I know he's highly touted, but I think I know just as much about him as everybody else knows about him. He's not playing in the show as far as like consistently night in, night out, like noticeable player. He's an elite prospect. That's yeah. what Ottawa's billing it up. As. But if he's an elite prospect, he should be here. Shouldn't he? Yeah, he should be here. Right? Yeah. Okay, so Vegas I mean, gets a little like bit He's getting drafted and... It's not like he's getting drafted this year. He's already been drafted. Apparently, he was like really good in the when Sweden went to the finals with Pedersen. There, he was really good on the back end. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know much about him, but they're talking him up like he's an elite prospect. But you know what they say about prospects? That's all they are. It's potential. Yeah. Potential. You're you're putting it all in on potential. Nashville. It's like having a pair of pocket aces. Nashville. <laughs> yeah, Nashville. What about them? They got some good players. Simmons and Granlund. Yeah. I like it. You do. I think this makes this team a lot more dangerous. So to get Simmons, though, they had to give a fourth-round pick and Ryan Hartman. Ryan Hartman getting traded again. Ryan Hartman can skate, man. Yeah. I like I like Ryan Hartman's speed. I like how young he is. Um, but I and I think he'll fit in well in Philadelphia. I think Hartman will definitely fit in well in Philadelphia, but Nashville knows they got to go all in. For whatever they've been reason, knocking at the door for the last couple of years, they got to go all in. What happened last year? They looked like they were going to win it all. Yeah. They just ran out of steam. Yep. Uh, the fourth round pick, getting also Mikel Granlin. We well, he's a creator. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, also Wayne Simmons hasn't had a great year. 
No, he hasn't had a great year, but that's that's an interesting team. I, I feel like he's kind of just aged his way out of that team a little bit, but he's he's a guy who's built for playoff hockey. He is. We've seen it. You know, like he's been an absolute beast in the playoffs before, and I feel like he'll do it for Nashville again. Uh, Mikel Grandland, this is a straight hockey trade. Excuse me. Excuse me. For Kevin Fiala. It's all over the board, everybody. <laughs> We're going to ruin Studio B. <laughs> Studio B that I don't own. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, it's going to take me a little while to let that sink in. Yeah, we'll just try it tomorrow. We, we unplugged it quickly, so we'll try it tomorrow. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Fiala for Mikel Granlund. Straight up. Crazy yep. trade, right? Both guys still pretty young. Fiala younger. Yeah, Fiala might have a little bit more upside, but Granlin is a great player. He is a very, very good player. He was, I think he was close to a point per game last year. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Fiala was great in the playoffs last year, but they talk about his inconsistency. Right? And injuries just, with him too, right? Yeah. He's been hurt a, a couple times, like some pretty bad, bad ones. So for Nashville, does this really, this for sure puts him up with the big boys? I think so, trades. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg making. It rounds them out, right? Like. Yeah. It, it rounds them out. It makes them a little tougher to play against. That's one thing about Vegas. Like, we were just talking about Vegas. Um, like you said, you think they're going to lock down that third spot. I don't even know if that's going to happen. But I don't think Vegas has the toughness that some of these other teams in the West have. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's my biggest concern Concern with them. Uh, what's the difference between them this year and last year? Uh, well, they're not scoring as much. Yeah. Right? Even though I, they brought in Max Pacioretty. Yeah. And... and like Max Pacioretty doesn't add any grit to your team no. at all. Marsha Saul, William Carlson, they're not having career years yeah. like they were last year. Last year they were beating guys with speed. This year they're not surprising anybody. Yeah. And uh, I think this year every other team has loaded up with some bigger bodies. And I, I think that that's going to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg, or sorry, Nashville, though, this, is, this puts them up there with the big boys. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg made some moves as well picking up kevin hayes from the new york rangers mm-hmm. also picking up matt Hendricks from the minnesota wild and nathan bull from buffalo i like it all you like all three of those moves yeah i do those I, aren't those aren't moves that are gonna like jump off the page but hayes can center that second line hayes is a huge body and i i feel like when he's gonna flip it into playoff mode he's gonna be a big big problem in front of that net and when you got guys like Liney and Ehlers potentially on that second line playing with them. He's going to open up a lot of room, kind of like what we talked about earlier in the Studio A there when we were going with Ryan Kessler in his heyday, right? Yeah. Like if Hayes is in front of that net and you have creators and and shooters like Ehlers and Liney being able to rip the puck with not as many guys on them, having a little more space, a little more time to get those shots off, I think that's that's trouble. Yeah. Uh, They're just – And then Hendricks is tough. Yeah, Hendricks is a tough guy. He's battle, he can, battle tested. He can play up and down the lineup as yeah. well. They're just a nasty team when you look at them. The size, mm-hmm. and they even have speed, and they're scary. They really are scary, and they're the team that I think that I'd be most scared of if I was San Jose. Even though they're playing a little bit of possum still. <laughs> <laughs> People liked our possum yeah. from our last podcast. Uh, San Jose also making a move, picking up Gustav Nyquist from the Detroit Red Wings. Paid a pretty penny for this guy, though. Second rounder and a third rounder. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who, like, when he's motivated to play, he plays really, really well. I remember when it was him and Tatar kind of billed as the second coming of, like, uh, Zetterberg and Datsuk for a little while there. And then Tatar was traded to Vegas last year. Yeah, and now he's on Montreal, and he's had a bit of a resurgence this season. So, like, I'm happy for him because he's a really skilled player, and it seems like he found a good fit there. But I think uh, Nyquist is another guy who is very talented when he has the puck on his stick. And, um, you know, He's a goal too, and he's a traitor. And San Jose just plays such a possession style of game. Like, they have the stick the puck on their stick constantly i think he's got to fit in well there um again though like that team to me they have haley they have kane who both of them we were watching that game a little tonight against the bruins a little bit like the bruins are a piece of business san jose was sticking up for themselves man like evander kane fought chara tonight Mm -hmm. haley fought bacchus got the better of bacchus which isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do i know haley's a buzzsaw but like uh, San Jose is a tougher team now. They are a tougher team, and will they make it through? I said they will. Uh, so who do you think won the trade deadline, if you were to give it to one team? 
Well, I think Vegas did what they needed to do to kind of stay in that conversation. Yeah. So I I like what they did there, and I like the fact that they didn't – I don't think they gave up much, and they were able to make that signing for Stone, and I kind of want to give it to them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think I need to give it to Nashville Mm. um, just because of, like, it's cemented to me now that they're, like, a far better team – than they already were, and they already were a really good They team. seem to have more punch offensively yeah. with those two guys, and they're going to need that for sure. Yeah, so what do you think? What's what's your uh, call on it? Yeah, I'm with you on Vegas making the best trade. Yeah. Because I don't know anything about Brandstrom. I've heard some good things, but right now he's just a prospect. Yeah. Uh, and Nashville, yeah, I agree that they certainly got better. Uh, I do like what Winnipeg did as well. It just makes them tough, 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 tough. Yeah. It's going to... Yeah, the West isn't as tough as it has been in the past with teams and buzzsaw teams and everything. But with these trades, it's 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 gonna be a shit show getting through. Man, do I feel team. bad for Dallas on that Zuccarello trade too? Just yeah. injured right away as soon as he came. Yeah, in there. they had put themselves in conversation yeah. there as well. Zuccarello is a heck of a player too. He's like, yeah, he's. I think he's been the best Ranger consistently for the last few years. And he had been he'd been putting up numbers like. Yeah actual numbers this year because he was getting like you know top power play minutes and stuff like that yeah he's a great creator so yeah sorry dallas that's uh, that's a tough one uh boston over out east getting charlie Coyle. that's big yeah um and uh, pittsburgh picking up eric <laughs> uh washington really didn't do anything i don't Are, think they needed to you don't think so no are they they're still a team that you can't really count out though yeah right out uh, out east there. So you're sticking with Winnipeg, Boston. That's my that's my call, yeah. I would love that. I would love that final. I would. Yeah. But I do think Tampa Bay is going to make it. The there. West is such a wild card because, like, any of these teams could kick the shit out of each other just physically. Yeah. Like, and, and it's all it all depends on whose goalie is going to be hot and who's the least banged up yeah. in the West. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, your, your call against the Tampa Bay – I like what you say about Tampa Bay, and they do seem like the obvious choice, but I just think the East is a little bit more of a meat grinder than it has been in years previous with how big and tough Boston is and how big and tough Washington is. But it all depends on your path, right? Like maybe you skirt one of those teams and you, you know, you light somebody up in the first round. What do you think about Columbus picking up Adam McQuaid? I actually thought Adam McQuaid went to Toronto. I had gotten that fake news somewhere. Yeah. Uh, And uh, picking up Matt Duchesne as well. Well, I like that they're going all in because they got Panarin and everything else. But, I mean, like, the biggest question mark for Columbus is Bobrovsky. His goals against in the playoffs is absolutely horrific. They picked up Kincaid they, just in case exactly. something happens. They got Kincaid just in case. But it's like, are you going to ride a guy like Kincaid to the Stanley Cup? No. Slim slim chance. Yeah. And it, to me, like, that team it goes as far as Bobrovsky goes, even though they loaded up. I do like that they loaded up because that's, like, a big commitment to their fans. And their fans deserve it. And I'd love to see them get out of the first round. Like, I really would. I've been cheering for Columbus to get out of the first round for a while. Because um, it gets going in there, man. Like, that arena, that's nationwide. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It gets going in there. And I'd like to, like, I mean, if I saw Columbus-Pittsburgh or something like that in the first round, oh, would I be watching that every night and cheering for the for the Blue Jackets? Absolutely. Where are you on Toronto? Again, I think that... They're kind of like a less stacked Tampa um, in in a way that offensively they can beat you. Both these teams can just destroy you offensively. But as far as toughness goes, I, I don't see it. Yeah. And the end of, and like a little bit defensively too with the, the Leafs. I feel like it's just Tampa's time. I just feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, Stevie that's Wybell's a pretty good team down there, right? Like yeah. you got to yeah. give it to them. All right. Canucks playing Colorado Avalanche. Tomorrow night, which is actually Thursday night, or Wednesday night, sorry. And then Thursday night, playing Arizona back-to-back. The Canucks have to win both games, really. I said if they lose to Colorado, it's over. Yeah, this will be the <laughs> second time you've said it's over this season. But I agree. I uh, They have to win these games. These are mm-hmm. must-wins. Yeah, that's it. Uh, anything else you wanted to add there, Kerb? Uh, yeah, did you see that video, that Dyson Ice video with uh, Besser... And PD, and it had some Horvat and some Marky in it where they were uh, doing meet and greets with the fans, getting pictures signed and everything. I saw one clip, Elias Pettersson going, PD sucks at hockey. 
said no one ever. And Brock Besser just like laughing his ass yeah, off. Yeah, so so they had they were mic'd up and they were talking to mics in their jackets with people. And that's what Besser said. He said Petey sucks at hockey. And then uh, Petey was like said no one ever. And they like they had like such good chemistry. It was so like it was probably the best Canucks video I've watched in years. Like it really? was so comical and so funny. And um, another part of it was, like, Horvat came over. He photobombed one of the pictures because everybody wanted pictures with PD and Besser. Like, nobody was going and getting pictures with Aww. Horvat and Markstrom. Um, <laughs> so Bo comes in, and he, he does, like, a photobomb, and it's really, like, it's just, like, a really grinning type of moment. And then both uh, Besser and PD started calling him captain, like, jokingly. Really? Yeah. I love and it. And I thought that was pretty cool, yeah. And then he has that great night. Yeah, and then he goes out there and jars too. Is it time to give the man the C? It kind of feels like it, but I, I almost feel like they're waiting on to see how PD does as well. Yeah. I think PD's put himself a little bit more into this conversation. I'm with you. I, I I wouldn't be upset if PD was the captain. I think those three guys have all shown leadership ability. Yeah. I really do. I think all three guys have. Mm-hmm. And they're both great in the media. They're all three of them are great in the media as well. Dude, like the like the amount of chumminess in this video was I was I was kind of blown away. I was like, "Whoa, these guys are like actually legit good friends." And I know that they've said that in the media. Like Petey's been like, "Oh yeah, Brock and I are really getting to know each other, and we're becoming really good friends." And this video just totally solidifies that for me. They I also, have a lot of fun together. Yeah, I also love the uh, photoshopped cards. Upper deck hockey cards that are going around. Yeah, those are cool. The I think I have that Pavel Burry upper deck hockey card somewhere. Nice. The one where he's sitting at the beach there and he's in his rollerblades. Fantastic card. But I love it. You got at least PD on it. It's it's good. If you haven't seen it, look for it on the internet somewhere out there. Uh, Caleb Curry, where can we find you? At Curbman23 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Art Aronson, both Twitter and Facebook, also Instagram. Uh, you can also look us up on uh, Apple Podcasts. Find us, give us a review, have a listen, subscribe, all that good stuff. And you can email us at betweenthestammers at gmail.com if you have any questions or input, comments, concerns, like the show, don't like the show, don't want us to spill beer on soundboards or sneeze <sighs> on them or whatever. Um, yeah, drop us a line. It'd be cool to interact with you. <laughs>